welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast. Where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. You know, we've gotten some questions from a few listeners of whether we actually record that each time. <laughs> we do. And we do. We must. I, I we're so it, good at repeating it. We sound like robots. We do, except for the, the what we just recorded it and deleted it. Um, and I like choked on my own spit in the welcome. So. See, that's what you don't hear. It yeah. sounds the same each time. Because we record it five times each week to make sure it's perfect. But we do actually record the intro each and every time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably pointless for us to do that. But, cause yeah, it is but it's same. easier because it's not like a long intro. So it's not like, you know, it's not like it requires a lot of effort for us to say it. Right. So it's, it's probably worth your time and not trying to edit it in for us just to say it every time. I guess so. But we do. So if, if that fun fact, we do record that each time. So. <laughs> So, uh, a few pieces of, of Disney news. So, the 30th anniversary logo for Hollywood Studios came out, and Mickey and Minnie are front and center, literally in the zero of the 30. <laughs> and this kind of, their style of animation isn't It's kind not of, the typical style. Right. This is a style that's going to be in the new ride at Hollywood Studios. Oh, at it's Mickey so and cute. They look adorable. Railway. I like it better than any of the normal animation styles mickey looks like he's wearing pants that are too big and minnie i don't think is wearing a shirt but regardless they both look amazing minnie has amazing eyelashes i wonder where she gets her extensions done maybe she's you know part of she goes to one of those pop-up places that are now everywhere for lash extensions perhaps maybe they'll have maybe they'll have one of those minis eyelash extension pop-ups in hollywood studios yeah i was kind of surprised i mean when they announced they were coming out with the 30th logo i expected something a little bit more different it's basically the hollywood studios logo with a big 30 (laughs) i mean they they didn't change it too much um but i I did hear that they may be coming out with more logos throughout the year with different characters kind of in the 30 i think as time goes on they're going to roll out I really hope they have a lot of merch with that Mickey and Minnie on it because I really, like I said, I'm I'm not being everyone check it out because it is adorable. They look amazing. Yeah, no, they definitely are gonna have merch, and I think that's what they aged really well. I think that's why. (laughs) I think that's why they're gonna have multiple characters on it. That's where the merchandise will come in with with different characters in the thirty. Yeah, well, Disney's good at that. Yeah. So another thing, they Disney for Walt Disney World is already running. Um, free uh, Disney dining plans. Ooh. So I like if, the word free, especially when it comes to Disney. What's the catch? Well, no. So every year Disney runs these free Disney dining plans. Usually they're in September, October timeframe in the slower period. They announced it now. So if you book between now and February 10th for trips between July 5th and September 30th. So right in the middle of the summer, Whoa. you're getting the free Disney dining plan included. Now there's, um, it's certain hotel rooms like the deluxe villas and things aren't included or like the campgrounds because they're very inexpensive. They're not mm-hmm. included, but it, this is like six months earlier than Disney's ever announced it. It ends before the ones usually begin. So it kind of leads you to believe reading between the lines that people aren't going yeah. to Disney world this summer, probably because they're waiting. They're until- waiting. So they're trying to make it more enticing to draw those crowds. Exactly. Yeah. People aren't sense. going. There's not a lot of new stuff. People are now know that Star Wars is coming. And so, it, yeah, it, it seems like they're trying to do whatever they can. Because it's very rare that they run any sort of deal mm-hmm. kind of right in the middle of summer. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Yeah, it's it's I mean, that would be California, it I mean, it's I think it's pretty hot in California then too, but that's like that's like I don't that, even know. That's the other that's point like too. Sun, it's very, like it's very hot. Fireball time. Yeah, it's very in, hot in Florida too. So a lot of people don't want to go. That's like then steam anyways. room time yeah. in Florida. Yeah. So it's a mix of that, but it definitely kind of you know you've heard rumors that bookings were a little bit light. Hotel rooms aren't full at this point, and it, this kind of lends credence to it that Disney's having a little bit of trouble. Yeah. You know, finding people. Uh, the other thing did, we saw the Spider-Man. Oh my god. Far from Home trailer dropped. Now, I'm not sure there was a trailer shown a month or so ago at the Brazilian Comic-Con, and it was only shown there. I imagine this is probably a similar trailer, but it's kind of our first look at the Spider-Man movie. Looks really good. Mm -hmm. So we get to see Spider-Man. He's in Europe. So yeah. So this is the thing that makes the movie enticing to me because we've seen Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man basically kicked off this move like this superhero craze it was that toby first toby Maguire spider-man movie that was a smash hit that sort of proved the whole genre of super like superhero movies could work and this is our seventh spider-man movie right so, so you know it's kind of hard at this point to keep it new and fresh but putting him in a new setting that's definitely yeah this revolutionizing things because he's the friendly neighborhood yeah, spider-man he is new york new york and yeah, this he's is the new first york time through through. this is the first time he's outside of new york now so it's great to see like a lovable spider-man like tom holland plays in a completely different setting and he plays it with such great wonder and like you see that and it's all conveyed so well in the trailers that even though this is a franchise that doesn't excite me anymore this movie and this trailer excites yes, me. Yes, excites me. We also saw Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio in it. It seemed like he was helping Spider-Man and not necessarily the villain, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But what I found interesting about this trailer, I'm a little surprised we saw anything because people were wondering, were we going to see anything? Because if you saw Infinity War, it ended with Spider-Man getting turned to dust. And <laughs> so you know, people said, hey, we may not actually see a trailer for this movie because the fact that Spider-Man's here. We now know, hey, he's alive. He somehow survived Infinity War. But what I found interesting is there's no mention of what happened in Infinity War, of the snap. Everybody seems fine. You would think that even if they somehow undo what happened, the fact that half of all living creatures cease to exist for yeah. any point in time, that there would be some sort of catastrophe. We see no... Avengers that are still alive. So Tony Stark was kind of his mentor in the first Spider-Man. Nick Fury. So now Nick Fury's in this one, taking the role of Tony Stark. Right. Right. And Nick Fury turned to dust as well. Also. So So it kind of lends credence to that your theory that I think you pointed out in that one yeah, so episode. I think, so spoiler alert. If you don't like, cons well, not conspiracy theories, but if you don't like those kind of theories where people postulate things that could possibly be going on, turn like mute this for 10 seconds so, but yeah so i think it kind of it lends the two things one either the theory that time travel happens in the next avengers movie is correct and they somehow go back in time and prevent the snapping from even happening so that's why nobody knows that it happened <laughs> snapping, it's happening that's why nobody knows or two that this movie takes place in between infinity war and endgame and that 
everybody that turned to dust didn't die. They went to an alternate dimension. So this movie actually takes place in an alternate dimension where those people don't know what happened to them. So Spider-Man is essentially It's an extension of the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's exactly like that. It, it's a way for Marvel to introduce... Again, great movie. To, yeah, it's a way for Marvel to kind of introduce this, Not this a sponsor. alternate dimension. So I think we'll, you know, we'll see, but it, it's, it's rather interesting how you know, there's no mention to it at all. So we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this week we decided that we wanted to cover the history of animation. So um, how long do you think that animation's been around, Joe? Animation? Well, they've been drawing since the cavemen. Ah, and very so smart. I don't, But I don't know if they animated the drawings. Those were kind of more static figures. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. Uh, it's been at, it goes as far back as the Paleolithic period with things called shadow play, which sounds a little naughty, and the magic lantern. So what shadow play basically so this is like was this like shadow puppets where you had a light? It, and essentially, like yeah. Hand, like people make little butterflies or little dinosaurs with their hands. <laughs> so yeah, they they made these like sort of flat paper ish articulated figures. It's like a puppet show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and then they would put that in front of a light source and then put it against like projected against a scrim or some sort of a wall where they could, you know, do like a puppet show. And then later on they would do the magic lantern, which is an early form of the projector where light images were either painted or placed on some sort of transparent glass. And then they were projected on a wall again. So that's where it starts. Now, of course I don't want to go through absolutely everything. The Wikipedia page is like super long so a whole bunch of stuff happens and a bunch of animations types come and they go and they have a lot of fun and really difficult to pronounce names like fenakistocope and zoopraxiscope so if you're interested in this non-disney stuff definitely go and check it out on wikipedia donate to them while you're at it but i think yeah i mean it's it's interesting i mean ever since people have been drawing you know there's been there's been people trying to animate and and kind of capture motion and, and, you know, because our lives aren't static. So, I mean, once you know, you can draw a static picture, you're always, you know, trying to improve on it, but really exactly. Yeah. For the most part though, I mean, kind of the quality of animation really didn't move forward very far. I mean, it's really right. within the past hundred years or so that we've had these huge leaps to yeah. where we are today. Cause I think you're going to get into even like the early 1900s with the right, first that's the next kind thing of that filmed, I have. Mm-hmm. you know, animation. I mean, they were just chalkboards. They were yeah. just drawings. It was stop. It was essentially stop motion yeah. on a chalkboard. So yeah, I'm skipping all the way into the 1900s now to a British American filmmaker named Jay Stewart, Stewart Blackton. And he made a film in 1906 called humorous, fa- humorous phases of funny faces, which is often seen as the oldest known drawn animation on standard film. Yeah, and you can I mean you can find it online. It's on YouTube or, or Wikipedia and things, mm-hmm. but it really is. It's I mean it's interesting to see, but he essentially just took a chalkboard, drew images on it and did stop motion. Kind of took pictures cuz that's I mean really a video if if you looked at film, movie films, it's each individual frame is, is essentially a still image. Yeah. So he's just kind of taking pictures and then, you, you know, you put it together and it's a little bit clunky and jerky a little bit, but you, I mean, you can see what they're going for. It's really interesting. Well, yeah. And the thing that I appreciate about this, it, this particular film was that it kind of starts off where you see the guy's arm drawing it. So it's very, 
you know, you're watching it's the first somebody. whiteboard animation. That's huge now. You get all over Facebook and things. You oh, see, yeah. You see all those whiteboard animations YouTube. on YouTube. Like ASAP Science. This, look, they're just stealing what this guy did 100 years ago. Yeah, exactly. But you see the arm come in and, and draw. And, you know, that's super, like, it's really cool within itself. But then the arm disappears and then the animation continues to move. And so you have to imagine being alive at that time and seeing this film and being like, whoa this they're, is amazing they're probably like how lucky we are to be alive right yeah. now yeah it looked like it's it's almost like magic so again check it out on wikipedia youtube it's called the humor it's called humorous phases of funny faces uh so that's really a, an interesting film and a great progression in animation so again more time passes more people take strides towards actual animation yeah but really I mean it, it starts picking up at this point yeah so it, you, you kind of have a couple it's a lot of people bigger learning curve right here. doing it so um, in, in 1908 a, a French artist uh, let's you try to pronounce his name <laughs> Emile so, Cole uh, yeah yeah that's that's kind of what I was gonna okay. go for too so he he was doing kind of a similar animation so it was two years later it, what I found interesting with him is he looked like he was doing kind of the chalkboard animation, but it wasn't actually a chalkboard. It was mm-hmm. a piece of glass that he was drawing on that he then kind of overlaid um, on like a black background to make it look like a chalkboard, but it wasn't. And so it, it wasn't a negative image. No, it was, it was on glass. So it allowed him to have sharper lines and more fluid okay animation because he wasn't drawing it on chalk it was kind of almost painted on so it's kind of like an early uh predecessor to like the film cell animation that, mm-hmm. that disney used and, and kind of made famous yeah so this particular film that he made and got famous for uh phantasmagory it like joe was saying the it has a bunch of different are objects that transform into other objects. It's a lot more smooth, full, smooth flowing than the humorous phases of funny faces. And so, for example, it has a wine bottle that seamlessly transitions into a flower, and then it goes into an elephant trunk. So, another thing that I would recommend watching. Uh, super cool. And um, so then, yeah. And what I mean, what's interesting is you know, so Walt is kind of you know born at this time period. And he kind of grows up as really, I mean, if you think about it, animation's kind of just starting. I mean, we, we said, yeah, it started with the cavemen doing puppet shows and things <laughs> like that. But really, I, I mean, if you really look at r- people really trying to do f- animation, because without film, it's very hard to do animation. I mean, they have, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, they they have those things that kind of spin in circles, you know, usually like horses galloping or something oh, yeah. where you look through kind of like a little slit. And then if you spin it real fast, you can see the horse gallop or look, there's little flip books, mm-hmm. but until film was invented or be able to take, do stop motion, you really couldn't have uh, a very repeatable thing where you could have a more in-depth drawing and longer form. Cause those flip books can only go for five seconds or something, right. you know, whereas these were a few minutes. So, you know, it's interesting how if you look at people throughout history, like if you look at Bill Gates, he was alive right when computers were becoming big. Mm-hmm. So when he was growing up, he was very interested in computers and he made Microsoft. It's interesting how Disney was kind of the same way. Like he grew up in a time when animation was big, animation cartoons interested him. And so right. then he creates so he an animation saw this budding studio. industry and right. then he wanted to contribute towards its 
you know, getting bigger and better. Right, because not a lot of the movie studios at the time were still make. They were focused on you know the silent films and things. People really didn't think animation. It was more animators were uh, cartoonists in newspapers. They weren't somebody that made movies. Mm-hmm. So speaking of Disney in 1923, Laughograms. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, we talked about on the. That on our Disney decade. Yeah, show, exactly. Our first Disney decade in the 20s. Yeah, so they went bankrupt, and Walt Disney created a new studio studio in L.A., and at this point, enter the Alice comedies, which we also talked about in that particular podcast. Right, and so, and the Alice comedies were interesting because not only was it animation, but it was a blend of live action and animation. So, I mean, Disney kind of... He was always a trailblazer in, in basically everything he did. And we'll get to some other stuff when we get to Snow White. But he wanted to have a human uh, girl be Alice and then everything else was animated. So that created uh, a lot of challenges because not only was he just trying to make an animated film, but the, he then had to superimpose uh, real life action with it. And it's not like today where they can just yeah, do... It's- Computers. It's crazy. Yeah, the they, you essentially have to innovating. He was doing that. Yeah, you essentially have to film the person, and then create the animation, and then f- film the two together yeah. to get it onto another film. Was he using like a green screen? I, I'm wondering. No, you, no, that's what I'm saying. You don't use a green screen. You literally just film it, and then you run the film with the animation in front of it, and film okay. that together to kind of combine the two. Wow. So yeah, I mean it's. It, was very involved and to be able to kind of figure that out and and think of that uh was pretty impressive yeah definitely so it's also notable to mention at this time uh warner brothers was starting in in 1933 so this is where you get big names like tex avery so i remember when i was a kid and watched looney tunes his name was huge and all over the cartoons so a little nod to that but that's for a different podcast and talk about that another time so more time passes and techniques sneaks develop and in the background you get walt struggling to get snow white produced right so this was kind of the first major animated movie ever made so like we said the alice comedies those were all shorts um you had mickey mouse and kind of all of all of his shorts you had the silly symphonies you had Steamboat Willie, different things. Mickey does have a quite a collection of shorts. <laughs> yeah, he does. But they're too big for him now, according yeah. to you. So, yeah, he's, he lost, he's a, lot lost a lot of weight. He's on a diet. so <laughs> He's really taking responsibility of his health. Yeah. He's 90, 90 now. Yeah, it's about time. So, But Walt, again, had bigger visions, and so he wanted to make a, a full-length feature animated film, and so he did you know, Snow White, and again, I mean, kind of as we talked about in the Disney decade, and you mentioned with the Laughograms going bankrupt, basically Disney for the first, I don't know, 20, 30 years of the existence of the company <laughs> was always in money problems. Yeah, He spent so much money on this, and it took years to develop. I, I want to say four or five years. I'm not exactly sure. But he took so much time that the press started calling it um, like Disney's folly. Mm-hmm. because nobody ever thought it was going to get made. He, They spent something, I want to say close to uh, a million to a million and a half dollars. Wow. Uh, at that time. So today's money, that's like $47 I, I, billion. I, I think it's in the 40, I think it's in like the 30 or $40 million oh, wow. dollar range. Yeah. It's, um, it was quite a lot of money. I mean, he like mortgaged his house. I mean, the studio was, was hurting 
and he just kept pouring money into it. It was supposed to cost half of that when they budgeted it and everything. And, <laughs> and so it, it's, it spent way more you know, than they ever thought. But once it was finished, because this was filmed, um, you know, with everything's hand drawn. So it used cell animation where, you know, they are, you have the artist drawing out the keyframes and pencils and they're storyboarding it. And then it goes to get transferred to the cells and, and it's hand painted and everything. That sounds like so much work. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically draw the whole movie out in a pencil and then they say, okay, this is good. And then they have people go and then recreate that on an actual film cell. And then once that's done, they then have to shoot each individual. I just can't imagine because cell. every little tiny move that a character makes is a different drawing. Yes. So, I mean, and this is kind of where this is kind of where the idea of keyframes comes in. It's a term you know people use today, but essentially, what would happen is the the good animators they would draw the keyframe. So let's say Snow White's uh, jumping over a tree. They would draw kind of her crouching, maybe her over the tree, and then her landing because those are the key frames that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And then they would have uh, the junior animators fill the in betweens. Okay. So they would then they would then the ones that people aren't going to look at. They would as do all closely. the transitions exactly. Okay. So that's how they would kind of handle that. But yeah, it was a very long and, and tedious process. But it was kind of the first time a movie was ever done with this this you know cell animation. And everything, and it turned out to be a huge hit. It did um, great at the box office. It's actually with all the re-releases and everything, it's in the top ten all time, adjusted for inflation. Wow! So it's it's box office is over nine hundred million if you adjust it for oh inflation. Goodness. At the time it was released, it did close to eight million dollars internationally. Hmm. Um, so he, he made it for 1.4, did like 8 million in action. So it made a ton yeah. of money back and he made, and that's what helped fund all his future movies because that one did so well. If that one would have failed, they yeah. would have been over. Um, so I wonder what that reaction, like what that would have been like as being Walt Disney, like was he running around the streets going, I told you so, I told you well, so. No, like, I, mean, I, I think he believed in it so much and he would act out, like he had the movies in his head. And he would almost put on plays for the animators. Like he would put on a play and play every character and walk through the entire movie. I mean, All seven doors. And yeah, and he did this. <laughs> he did this for a lot of the early movies. And he would go through it over and over again until they kind of got it. But I, I mean, I think yeah, he was excited. But I think he always believed in it. I mean, it was nominated for Academy Awards. I mean, it was a huge deal, and it really put Disney on the map. Um, one of the other interesting things about it is so not only did they do this fully featured animated film and and did this animation style but they also developed a new camera system to film it. Oh, really? So if if you look at Snow White there's a there's the background kind of moves independent of the foreground there's a lot of um like parallax effect they call and things. So traditionally when you shoot animation What's that? So it's whenever the background moves. Okay, slower. so that's what you're talking. Like you your do with phone. your phone. Yeah, yeah. Your that's kind of what it. I thought you were saying. Yeah. Okay. So typically, you you film a, a animated movie one frame at a time with a single camera. They build a multi-plane camera in which they could take the foreground on one cell, 
the main character on another cell and the background on another cell and move them all independently of each other so that that way you could get depth and distance and rotation. So when um, the witch has her potion and things are spinning around her, that was all done with the multi-point camera. So they actually invented that. And that wow. was that became a big thing in the animation industry. So again, just another kind of trailblazing effect. Wow. Yeah, so around the same time, there were seven, seven other films that were made using cutout silhouette or stop motion before Snow White came out, but only one of those seven was made using all hand-drawn animation, and that was made by Disney also. And it was called the... It was called Academy Award Review of Walt Disney Cartoons. It was basically an anthology, which is a collection, uh, filmed to promote the release of Snow White. So uh, Snow White is still considered to be the first full-length animated film because this other one that was made by Disney also was only 41 minutes. And although that kind of still qualifies, uh, it wasn't a huge success. And so Snow White wins that prize there. So then... Disney continues to go on after the success of Snow White, as Joe was saying, and with that money that they had from that, they made some other films. So Pinocchio in 1940, Fantasia in 1940, The Reluctant Dragon in 1941, um, Dumbo in 1941. You had The Little Mermaid. Then, then you kind of have a break of The Little Mermaid in 1989. Yeah, this is the Disney re- renaissance. Beauty and the Beast 1991, Aladdin 92, Lion King 1994. And then also, you know, all the Pixar movies start coming in. Because it's around five, yeah. Yeah, it's around this time that hand-drawn animation kind of falls off. I mean, we can't forget Mary Poppins is in there as well. Of kind of again, kind of like the Alice comedies where you have live action and animation mm-hmm. together. Um, but then, yeah, it's kind of at this time now things start moving over to computers. Right. So when. Toy Story comes out in 1995. It's the first fully anim- computer animated film. So I had no idea how this worked, Joe. Did you have any clue before you looked any of this up? Yeah, so, I mean, CGI, it, it's computer-generated gener- images, computer graphic images, and, and it is, it's all within a computer. But what I didn't know is, and there's kind of a difference between uh, computer animated films, which is what Pixar did, and then kind of like computer drawn films, which I think like Aladdin and the Lion King may have used. So like how we talked about in, in yeah, I think the Lion King used it. If I'm right, I might not be correct. Although I was thinking the stampede stampede scene, but I don't think so. I think that each one of those was hand, just hand drawn. Yeah. So, so there's, there's kind of a difference. Up, so like we talked about with snow white and some of the earlier, <laughs> some of the earlier Disney animation actually do at me and tell me what the truth is there. So right, and so, like we said, it was drawn on uh, film cells and painted. So once it was hand drawn and kind of storyboarded, it was then transferred to a film cell. So what happened with kind of computer aided graphics is that they would still pencil draw everything, storyboard it, and then instead of drawing it to a film cell, they would then draw it into a computer, and then they would do all the the animations hand drawn in a computer that way. What Pixar did and what movies do now when they're fully computer animated is they build all of the models in the computer. So they're not necessarily hand drawing everything 
into a computer. They're building a character with uh, a skeleton and, and kind of building it up from there. And then they can then manipulate and move that character throughout the frame. And again, it's the idea of keyframes. They kind of move them to key positions and then kind of have the compute the computer moves them in between those. So that that's kind of the the difference. I I was familiar with, you know, kind of CGI how they do that because that's used in a lot of movies as well. I mean, any movie where like uh you know, the Avenger movies for instance. I mean, when Iron Man's flying, that's CGI. So they're basically just creating an Iron Man character in a computer and animating him throughout the scene. Nobody's hand drawing each of those scenes. Whereas, you know, in the nineties and things, they did have some computer aided animation where each of those cells would have been drawn in the computer. Yeah. So, um, speaking about the reason why I disappeared there for a second was I was looking up that, uh, that world of peace beast scene and it was aided by CGI. So they didn't draw all the wildebeest there. So, yeah, pretty cool. Um, Moving on there. From there is that... Trying to find my spot. Sorry. Okay. So with CGI, your drawing is, of course, being replaced by these 3D modeling, virtual stop motion, essentially. Um, And eventually, they don't really do a lot of humans that you might have noticed like you have a lot of cgi is they do monsters or animals or things like that uh it's really difficult to make cgi look human-like it falls into that uncanny valley so and in case you don't know what that is um that's when like robots and things that aren't human look eerily similar to humans but not right quite they right look too lifelike but you can still tell they're not real and yeah. so they're not enough lifelike yes for you. exactly so you have i mean it's not that disney and pixar have never breached this uh they've done the incredibles which is human they've done up which has humans but they're but- all kind of cartoony they're not exactly human yeah. So it's not the same kind of thing that you were seeing with Beowulf, uh, the animated Beowulf or the insanely creepy Polar Express. So you don't have any of that going on with Disney. They kept it again more animated so that it doesn't look scary. And those movies were motion capture as well. I don't think those were necessarily, you know, like full CGI. That was kind of a motion capture and then converted to a CGI, which I think aids in that kind of uncanny valley <laughs> where where you have that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that pretty much brings us up to the present now. So animation has had this really long, crazy storied history. And of course, we're like, it's still developing. So I'm excited to see where it goes from here and what other kind of technology, like what kind of developments it can make. But it's come a really long way. Yeah, I mean, there and really with computers, we're getting now to the point where they almost can make realistic humans. I mean, if you look at Rogue One, um, they used CGI. I I can't remember the actor's name, but he had passed away from the original Star Wars movies. And they, they kind of put his face on another actor's face using CGI. And, you know, now he's kind of in the shadows. You never really get a good look at him. Marvel does this a lot where they de-aged Robert Downey Jr. They de-aged uh, Michael Douglas. They're going to de-age Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel. And so... Peter Cushing. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That He was the actor from Rogue One. 
and so they're, they're starting to use this and, and they're starting to get better and better at it where, you know, now as opposed to them kind of being in the shadows and only partially seeing their face, you know, they're more out in the open. So, I mean, we are getting to that point where you can make realistic, you know, versions of people. And I think that's kind of the, the next step as motion capture gets better as, as the power of computer graphics gets better. Um, they'll be able to do, you know, even more things to the point where you can't tell if something's computer animated or not. And I think that's, you know, it just makes it all the more interesting mm-hmm. For, because like I said, a little bit creepy, but right. interesting. And like I said, you know, mainstream movies with, you know, human actors and use a lot of um, CGI in them. It's not just animated movies that are using these computer graphics. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that uses CGI mm, yeah. that you don't even realize. So the better it gets, the better all movies right. get, animated or not. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that like you said, that pretty much wraps it up, brings us to the present. Um, so I think that, that's kind of it for this week. want to thank everybody for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe to us, leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll see you here next Monday. Thanks, and have, have a, a magical, magical day. day.